Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning once again, everyone. This time I'm a little warmer. (laughs) Okay, we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9, one of my favorite passages. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you All the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. How good. Pass that over. Well, welcome everyone. I'm back. I might just move to the side. Ooh. Um, as I'm going, MJ, if you just like scroll through the passage um, that we read, that would be awesome. Um, this morning is an important moment in the life of our church. Uh, it's a significant step. Um, and we've been using the language around promised land for a long time. Uh, if you think about when we originally were looking at buying the plot of land and we were and we're doing uh, the pledge program, uh, Sarah um, Lawson, um, as one of our council, really borrowed that language, um, the theme from the, from Scripture, and really asked us about uh, this land flowing with milk and honey and giving to the promised land pledge. Do you remember that from like five years ago? I think. And then that's kind of continued if, in terms of when we started doing prayer on the land. Um, I, was, <laughs> I called it promised land prayer, um, wanting to uh, be on the land and pray for, all, for four, those four different things. So it's been in our language. But today we have a landmark moment. Yes, that is a pun. <laughs> and despite this land and this situation not actually being about a plot in the Middle East, 
Uh, these aspects of the biblical theme are actually really helpful for us. It really helps frame what we're actually talking about. And this is why we've, I've, we've been brought to Joshua 1, why I feel like we've been led there. And Nick, kind of, uh, Nick agrees. I've been walking this journey with you for almost six years. It'll be six years at the end of term three. And as I've looked, this, this passage really speaks, and the situation of what's kind of going on speaks to where I think we're at. And the central point is, of course, as you heard from the scripture, be strong and courageous. Yes, be strong in our foundation and courageous in our situation. Let me pray as we move into the word. Lord, we thank you for what you've been doing amongst us. But Lord, as we come to hearing from your word, may your spirit flow and speak into our hearts. May what you've been preparing in me, may that be you and you alone. Amen. So as we get into it, we're going to start with just a quick zoom out, a zoom over Joshua as a whole, because this is really a help with what's kind of going on. The section which uh, Margaret read for us is right at the start of the book. Chapter one, makes sense. Um, but the book as a whole has like four main sections. The section at the beginning is the start of Joshua's leading of the people. And it's very clear from what happens that the people are meant to see him as a new Moses. Right? If we have a look, uh, he calls for them to be faithful to God, particularly um, to their scriptures. And then he repeats the sending of the spies into the land, which is, of course, where we first meet Joshua. Right? We first meet him as this, the first sending of the spies. And this is an important moment because that moment failed. It was only Joshua and Caleb which remained faithful. The rest of Israel doubted and actually eliminated themselves from entering the promised land and committed themselves to the wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Then Joshua leads people through the Jordan River in a crossing very similar to the way Moses crossed the Reed Sea with the Israelites' people as they were fleeing Egypt. So, so many similarities. Clearly, Joshua is a new Moses or another Moses. The second section of Joshua has the battles with the locals there, the Canaanites. Um, and then the third section has the division of the land, which they have now taken possession of. And then the last section is, is Joshua's final words, which, which encourage faithfulness in the Torah, in the law of God, which leads to life and blessing in the land and unfaithfulness unfaithfulness leads to divine justice and exile. So there's lots of big themes. We have big questions when it comes to Joshua, when we're reading that book. It's, it's, it's a hard one. But I really want to focus us in on that, on this first section, we, remembering the biggest part, the bigger whole, because it really helps us understand what's going on in this section. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' eyed, Moses' servant, Moses' second in command. That's what we're talking about there. Moses, my servant is dead. Now you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. We need to remember that Joshua was a known quantity. He wasn't like some rando. He was Moses' right-hand dude for a long time, right? Ever since the spies kind of came back and Joshua proved himself, 
He was the man. He was the second in command uh, to Moses. And he was being prepared and he was being readied for, his, for this aspect of leadership. It's mentioned later that he was a general in the battles which they had, particularly on their way through um, in the wilderness wanderings. And this is a significant moment because his leadership begins with the death of Moses. He passes away and the leadership banner is passed on. And we can't shy away from the fact that Moses is mega important in Jewish history, in our history, right? It's a key figure. He, he massively contributed to the first five books of the Bible, right? <laughs> he calls them out of, out of slavery in Egypt and begins this space of uh, dedication um, as the people of God. But even with the text wanting us to know that Joshua is meant to be a new Moses, Joshua is different to Moses. He's not the same. It's a changed situation. When we look at Moses, we'll see him acting as both the leader of the Israelite people and as a priest of the Israelite people. He intercedes for them between, uh, for God. He also is involved definitely in the tabernacle. So Moses is described as both a leader of the people and a priest. It comes up in Psalms as well. And this is what is really interesting here. Joshua is not described in the same way. Joshua is not described as a priest. He's described as a leader, definitely, but not a priest. So even though he's another Moses, he is different and the situation has changed. This is important for us to recognize because it was a new season for the people. And Joshua was doing what he was prepared for, to lead. And instead, the Levites, the priesthood of Aaron, were doing what they were prepared for, being the priesthood and serving in that capacity. In fact, they were always being prepared for what is to come. The reason why I talk about this is that the 25th today, we have a kind of a crossing of the Jordan moment, right? It's a big step in us getting ready to seize the land across the other side and build on it and really inhabit it. And the journey that we've been on has not been easy. Across my six years, it has not been easy. Across the, the years before that, it has not been easy. And we might feel some grief at the sense of loss about what has changed. As Moses and the situation changed to Joshua, we might feel grievances as the distance between our current situation and our memories of what was grows. We might grieve the people who are no longer with us, both because of being passed on or from moving away. And that's okay. Remembering the past is actually a really important thing. It helps us learn. And that's why we've had such a, a focus on recognizing it. We've been doing the history um, book, which um, Sarah and many others have been writing of our church. We, we also have our 150th celebration coming up in October, I believe. So we remember the past. This is why we also look back, you know, to the scriptures in the past. 
But even with change being hard, those difficulties and those things that we go through, that can be hard. We can grieve those. But it's a sign of God's growth and God working in and through us. Him unfolding his will through his people, yeah, and his plan across the ages and spans of history. And sometimes we can share in this tendency to glorify our past as we reminisce in, you know, the good old days. The, you know, those sayings like they don't make him like they used to. We can easily fall into this trap and fall into nostalgia. And this becomes a big problem in the church. If we identify with the problems that plagued this church's history, or even taking pride in the things that we aren't instead of the things which we are, we are not defined as a church by our negatives. And as we look to the Israelite people in this section, they are not defined by their loss of Moses or by their mistakes in, uh, which lead them, led them to where they are. They're de defined by what God is doing and going to do. Be reminded that as Jesus said, those that who look back, who long for what was in the past, are not fit for the kingdom of God. We can mourn the past and grieve for what was lost. But remember, our hope is always future-focused. It's always in new creation and Jesus coming again. It is always in what God is doing and going to do. It is positive and full of hope. It's always about God himself, knowing him and who he is, not who he isn't or what we aren't. We are on about something. God's mission, the gospel, is what we're on about. Not these other things. And this is the in, in this changeover, this important moment, the Israelites needed to know who they are and where they're leading. They needed to know their foundation, not be burdened with that, but use it as a launching point as we change for what God is doing and going to do. This informs the be strong and courageous because we need to be strong in our foundation. So as we return to Joshua, I will give you the place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the deserts uh, to, of Lebanon to the great river the Euphrates and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Now, as this was shared, Israel might be feeling some stress and anxiety, <laughs> maybe a little bit of doubt as they stand on the precipice of what is being described here, this land. What is being described here is massive. It's actually bigger than what Israel has. Their land never extends to the Euphrates, right? They actually don't inhabit all of that space. The works of history show this. It's really interesting. And so 
This section assumes that maybe there, as one of my commentaries says, that there's this dark shadow of fear and failure that haunts Israel's thoughts about the coming task. The land is huge in size, varied in terrain, you know, with their own hills and trees and water and deserts and all that type of stuff. But let's also not forget that Israel has been wandering through the desert as former slaves and now as nomadic herders with limited military experience, equipment, or establishment. They're wandering around. They don't have strongholds. Then they're going to come against fortified cities. From a human point of view, this seems crazy. And worry is an appropriate response. <laughs> Concern. Which is why God reminds them there and us now in a familiar promise. It's all over Torah and the rest of Scripture. It's all throughout Deuteronomy and it leads them to hear and we hear it continually. God will never leave you or forsake you. In the tasks which seem massive and beyond our scope and from a human point of view impossible, God will never leave you or forsake you. He is with you in the midst of that fear, stress, anxiety. In the midst of that worry and concern, God is with us. It's important to remember. Then we have the first of the three, be strong and courageous. As Joshua leads the people to inherit the land that God swore to them, to their ancestors as a gift. And here we go, the land. Now, we can get very confused here, and this is why I wanted to talk about it. What is this land on about, right? Is it really talking about the physical plot of land? I would wager that Scripture is not doing that. And when we track with the biblical story about what this land represents, we see a different picture. It's because the land is not the aim and purpose in and of itself, it is not the goal or the destination. I know it, so it sounds like it is, but let's re as we remind, let's, re let's remember these things. I've got five things across here. First of all, the land is a gift from God. It is not earned by human effort or truly owned by the people at all. It's a gift. And it's God's doing and plan, and it is known by his presence. This is quite clear through there that gift and presence is the first thing that the land is about. Our second thing is that it is given in part because God said so. God is faithful to his own promises, and he's fulfilling what he has said, his prophecies. He is keeping his covenant this is what it's on about what he says it's sworn to their ancestors. That's what Abraham is. He was right back there, which leads me to what God said to Abraham, and that is the purpose. Back in Genesis, this is what God says the purpose of the land is. It's through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. In the land, you will be a light to the nations, God's representatives for all peoples to witness and testify to God's character. God wanted them to become a kingdom of priests. That's the purpose of the land. It's not about the physical nature of it. Which leads us to four. 
if they do this without God and they don't obey him, they can't fulfill the purpose. It's a partnership between the people and God. Which leads to finally number five. The inheritance of the land is an opportunity to show righteousness, to display right relationship with God across the generations and into the generations, to show justice, mercy, grace, and love. None of these five things are particularly about the plot of land itself, but it's about what God is doing, what God, how God is moving. The land is all about God's gift and presence, his promise, his purpose, his partnership, and righteousness. I couldn't get the last one to be, have a P involved. <laughs> it is a tool in God's kingdom and his mission. And when we fast forward to Jesus... Those five things, gift and presence, promise, purpose, partnership and righteousness, are fulfilled in Jesus. That is what God's on about, reconciling people to himself. And if we fast forward now to us, the land on Bolland Road, the amalgamation, the partnership here with kings, these are not the ultimate goals. These are not the aims and destinations in and of themselves. But these are God's way of fulfilling his plans to bring the good news of Jesus to the Adelaide Hills and beyond. These things are about the same five things that I mentioned. Amalgamation, land, and our partnership with kings, the vote today, where we're heading, is still about God's gift and presence, his promise, his purpose, partnering with him, and an opportunity to display righteousness across the generations. Those things are not changed and are consistent for us. And of course, we have not finished, but we are at an important landmark moment in this journey. But our mission and ministry continues. One other little thing about the inheritance for the Hebrews, right? They were to inherit the land. But one of the interesting things is not all of them actually inherited the land. So here's a quick trivia. What part of Israel did not inherit a part of the land? Ooh. The Levites, the priesthood. Correct. This is, it's a good one. I asked some of this earlier. They didn't get it. Our scriptures say that God is the inheritance of the Levites, right? They've been set aside, which is really interesting if we, if we think about their purpose is to be a kingdom of priests. And if we look past Jesus into what he has done within this church, in the Baptist church, we find that the people of God are called to be the priesthood of all believers. It's a central part of our Baptist theology. In the priesthood of believers, we both lead and are led. We fulfill three sections. We intercede with God. We have relationship with God. We enter the holy place. We then lead our people through, <laughs> throughout, and we are also led ourselves. We do all three of these roles, which is really helpful for us because we can receive this passage in these three different ways. In our vote, which we're coming at, this is the opportunity for us as a people to lead. 
But in that space, we have been led by our leadership, by our elders, by our pastors, by our discernment, as we've moved throughout this process. And through that, through this process, we are needing to be priests, the priesthood of all believers. We represent God to everyone around us. We don't need somebody else. We are meant to do that. The Holy Spirit is in us. It is in you. So these messages for also for us in those ways. We need to be strong in our foundation and have courage in our situation. Because as we step forth, we need to walk in faith. If we return to verse 7, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law and my servant Moses and what he gave to you. Do not turn from it from the left or to the right, that you may be successful wherever you go. And keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything I have written in it. You will then be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. If you didn't know, whenever the Bible repeats something, it's meant to stand out and be important. Just a key tip for for your Bible reading. And... Here, we have something which is repeated three times. And when that happens, it's meant to stand out completely. It's meant to elevate itself. It's the technique which they used. And of course, the one which stands out is be strong and courageous. Well, okay, well, I heard that exactly three times. Awesome, that stands out. But there's actually another triplet and another repeat in this section of Scripture. The repeat is the final bit. God will be with you wherever you go. Don't forget it. Remember that. That's also important. But the other triplet, which connects itself to the be strong and courageous, is the aspect of Scripture. Yep, it is the law of Moses. Keep the book of the law. Meditate on it. Do everything that's written in it. And obey the law. It's repeated three times. It's much more obvious in the Hebrew, I'm told. (laughs) Ask, uh, ask Rachel later. She'll, she'll give you a, a rundown. But this is important. It's because our connection with following God, obeying God, and keeping with our scriptures as key tenets is what is being strong and create, create, courageous. Ooh. These are aspects unrelated to one another. They are not separate. In this, it's tied to the, what the people should be doing. In their leadership and being led and being priests, the people of God must be obedient to God in the Scriptures. And this is how the leadership is contained and the movement continues forward. It must be number one or it falls apart. Now, a quick aside, you might have noticed bits of this section mention prosperity and success. And I can't help myself. I've got I to gotta, I gotta address this and what that's talking about. Because our alarm bells might go off as we might hear that some people who preach prosperity gospel use these sections of Scripture to like claim that this is the truth. They say that this reinforces their health, wealth, and success focus as a reward for faithfulness and a reflection of God's presence. 
But they are reading their own worldly mindset into what is happening here. This is not what the scriptures are saying. This triplet of be strong and courageous and the law, this is what leads to success. It's because it's linked by both its means and result. Success and prosperity is determined by the law, by God, in God, not by worldly means. And of course, faithfulness to God is not a prerequisite for the presence of God. God is already present right here in this section, speaking to Joshua. There's already a relationship categorized by gift giving. And faithfulness is Joshua's response to the invitation of God. God goes before them and invites them into this space. And these words for success and prosperity in Scripture are used and tied into the wisdom tradition to describe the positive effects of a character formed in keeping with the morally upright conduct, even in the face of evil, in the face of opposition, because of a person's dedication and submission to God, as understood through Scripture. That doesn't really sound like health and wealth. It doesn't sound like name it and claim it. <laughs> These are different things. <laughs> Let us not be confused by that. No, God's command to Joshua to be strong and courageous is an encouragement to live in the light of God's instruction, which is life-giving orientation. In Deuteronomy, it talks about choosing life by loving and obeying the Lord. And it's in this way that it leads to a good life as God defines good. Yeah. And that's what it means to be, have a good life in the land. Joshua's prosperity and success has nothing to do with financial and economic prosperity, but his success is linked to the receiving of the gift of God's presence, which ultimately is contingent upon his and Israel's attentiveness to God's instruction. This being faithful is being obedient and trusting in God, not in our own means. It's God moving and working. And we need to believe and trust in his word and be steeped in it as our foundation. We need to meditate on it. This is what determines our direction, not our own wills or the culture around us. We are defined by God. He is our core identity, and it's he who we need to share with the nations. And of course, when we think about Jesus, we see him coming in weakness and sacrifice, not in prosperity and wealth. And yet it is in this way that Joshua's command is fulfilled. We might remember that Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua. It is Joshua. This is the same. <laughs> this is connected. Jesus is succeeding in what he is doing. He is succeeding in bringing about his kingdom. So our role is to believe in him and play our small part in God's purpose. Let us be strong in our foundation and courageous in this situation. This is the important point. <laughs> that the land is about gift and presence. It's about promise, purpose, partnership and righteousness. 
It's about what God is on about. And it's from here that we need to be grounded and from here that we move and take steps in faith. I just want to reflect as we look from here upon my last six years. It's actually been a, a difficult six years for my family. I went from being healthy in terms of my gut health to then having a lot of intolerances. April, uh, uh, when she first rocked up, I don't know if you guys remember, shattered her ankle. It was completely broken and needed surgery and crazy stuff there. We've had mental health difficulties. We've had two kids <laughs> come about. <laughs> and, the and, you know, all the stuff which comes along with parenthood, which I know you understand. And in our leadership, we've been, chased, we've been faced pardon me, with challenges. We remember the, the selling of, the, um, of, of Victoria Road was a challenge for us, and we were stepping out in faith. We remember that as Lee was sick, that I, that I stepped in and did as best as I could with you all guys' help. We moved forward as a community of faith. As Nick came as our senior pastor, we were moved as a community of faith, understanding where we came from. But we've had lots of challenges across that time. But I see us as a church, as Joshua was, being ready and prepared to cross the, into the land. God has been working in us across more than my tenure, He's been preparing in us for what he's planned to do. You can see that through what Lee's leadership, through Nick's leadership, and through what's happened in our church. We had the first attempt of coming together with Hills. And in a similar way to the spies, maybe not quite getting it right, we diverted and we've circled full circle to come down now to be on the brink of amalgamation fully. It's not hasn't been 40 years. That's right. But it's such interesting. As we look at that, we originally were going to be just building on the, the, foot, uh, the football field just down there. That was going to be our land. And yet now kings have been blessed and we have been blessed by this thing which is six times larger than what we originally were thought. No one saw that coming. In fact, if we didn't, if we, if we joined together that first time, we wouldn't have had that. God has always been about redeeming and moving. And we have been led by him through this process. And it leads us here to today. All of these difficulties that we've gone through are not there to define us about who we are. They're there to shape us into God's character and what he's planned for us as a church. It's been so clear to me that God has been moving in us and preparing us and growing us. And I feel really comfortable and at home with where we're moving, despite these interesting times which we have had. So let's celebrate today and continuing onwards as we move together and come as one people bringing us into this space at King's, giving us the six acres as a gift and joining with our sisters and brothers at, at Hills Baptist. What God is doing is amazing. 
And it's not in this section, but towards the end of the first chapter, the people of God respond. And they respond with saying, yes, God, we will be strong and courageous. So my invitation for you is remembering what that means, i.e. the rest of my sermon. (laughs) May we, please, may I, may we be that. May we be strong in our foundation and have faith and take steps from that and be courageous in this situation and beyond as we deal with the change. May we be celebrating what God is doing and what God will do as his gospel and kingdom grows here in Mount Barker through us. Amen. This is what God is doing. So Lord, may we take that on. May we understand who you are for eternity is knowing you. May we see that grow. May we be strong and courageous. May we understand that it is all your work and that we are humble in what you've done and what you're doing. Bring us to this point, Lord. Bring us to where we're moving, where you're moving, pardon. Help us to understand that Jesus is the main thing. Jesus is our foundation. And that as we step out in his mission, in his kingdom, doing his work and sharing his gospel, may we not be afraid. May we remember that God is with us. And may we step in faith. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.